Hello everyone, I'm Kevin Barrow, a partner at Osborne Clark and based in the UK. And I specialise in advising buyers and sellers of staffing and recruitment companies and other types of workforce solutions businesses as they move towards investment events. I help to make sure the best deal is reached when the transaction happens and that there are no problem issues that could lead to a deal falling apart. And hello from me, I'm Andrew Saul, a partner in the UK corporate team of Osborne Clark, and I specialise in representing buyers or sellers of workforce solutions businesses when they actually get to the point of sale. A lot of my work and Osborne Clark's work is cross-border, and in fact I'm recording this podcast from our San Francisco office. I've just got back from a very busy SIA executive forum in Austin, where there's a lot of talk about the record M&A levels in the US in the workforce solutions space. So thanks, Andrew. And it's good to hear about that uh, M&A activity in America, because we're here to talk about M&A trends in staffing and other parts of the workforce solutions sector. So how are you seeing the M&A market generally for workforce solutions companies in America and elsewhere? especially interest amongst private equity buyers? Yes, I think it's it's generally well known that private equity companies still have lots of money they're looking to invest to buy good quality assets. And, um, and when it comes to choosing what to buy, staffing companies are still very popular with private equity. The, the staffing space remains very fragmented, so there are good buy and build opportunities. And also good staffing companies have more predictable cash flows than many other sectors. So that means PE can often deploy debt to make acquisitions, which fits well with the PE model. And and here in the US, PE companies seem to very much have moved away from badging staffing companies as providers of last resort, surge resourcing, if you like to recognising they're a strategic part of human capital resourcing. So overall, the M&A market's very hot here in the US and in the UK. And trade buyers are active as well as private equity for a variety of reasons, such as geographical expansion or adding scale or as part of their digital transformation. So picking up on digital transformation, can you say a bit more about how that's impacting M&A? Yes, at Osborne Clark, we do a lot of work around digitalization. And what we see in the staffing M&A market fits with this trend very much. Uh, We're seeing online platforms by traditional staffing companies, especially staffing companies which supply large numbers of manual or lower skilled workers. And we know that automation has impacted some areas of healthcare staffing in the US that seems likely to hit the UK as well. So all of these are high volume areas of recruitment and staffing where technology can help improve margins considerably as processes can be automated, costs can be reduced and margins improved. Um, Here in the US, the SIA say that the percentage of buyers using talent platforms increased from 14% in 2020 to 22% in 2021 and that a further 47% of buyers expect to use a talent platform within the next two years. So as a a result of statistics like this, we expect platforms are generally looking to buy traditional staffing companies to accelerate their client acquisition. As a mirror of this, we're also seeing traditional staffing companies and managed service providers 
looking at buying or partnering with online platforms for the same automation reasons. Okay, thank you. And, and what about cross-border and international deals? Yes, we've seen a, a large increase in cross-border deals since 2019, and um, recent deals have usually involved the sellers having set up successful operations overseas, especially in the US, and or being invested in by an overseas investor from the US or Japan or elsewhere. In 2021, 63% of our deals across all sectors had a cross-border aspect compared with only 30% in 2019 and 40% in 2020. And that growth in cross-border deals is happening in the workforce solutions sector as well. So a typical comment in relation to talent shortages at the moment is there isn't a worldwide shortage of talent. It just isn't always located where you ideally like it to be. So it looks like this is leading to companies wanting greater access to international talent. And we think investors will like targets with immediate access to overseas markets. Obviously, that comes with a bit more process. Uh, Cross-border and international transactions tend to be more complex in terms of structuring consideration, regulatory approvals, language and culture, with the complexity flowing into deal terms. Yeah, and in workforce solutions sector deals we do sometimes come across local operations which have been set up informally and without being fully locally compliant in terms of licensing or local tax arrangements uh what i see is that sometimes investors decide then to discount their offer price to exclude the profits attributable to that international but non-compliant part of a business uh but you know, Andrew, are, are, are there any other trends you're seeing? Um, another trend I'd mentioned that we've seen over the last few years is, is staffing companies buying consultancies. This is often part of a move away from becoming a more plain vanilla provider of people to moving up the food chain to increase margins and getting a better EBITDA multiple on a sale. It's also part of the general trend towards value-added services, uh, whether that's adopting a statement of work model or train then deploy, which has also increased enormously in popularity. I'd also mention that over here in the US in the last year or so, there've been a large number of private equity investments in professional employer organizations which are effectively the US equivalent of umbrella companies. We, we expect a number of those companies to use this investment to increase their international footprints in coming months. Thanks. So that bears out what we and others have been predicting for a couple of years in terms of who's investing in what. How about when the deal happens? Are there any developments in M&A practice and how deals are structured? The, the, the growth in the use of warranty and indemnity insurance has been one of the biggest changes in M&A deals over the last few years, especially deals more than £10 million in value. Um, last year, there was warranty and indemnity insurance, W&I insurance on nearly half of the deals AC advised on across all sectors. And this has been a factor in workforce solutions sector deals as well. In 2019, only one in six of our deals relied on W&I insurance. And I personally characterize W&I insurance as a product which helps sellers sleep at night. Most of, um, most of a typical private company sale and purchase agreement is taken up with warranties and a tax covenant from the seller to the buyer. 
with the advent of W&I, sellers can back off much of that risk to insurance underwriters at a manageable cost, which is typically 1% or often a bit less of the amount insured. So that can be very attractive where, for example, a PE investor is expecting the owner managers of business they're investing in to stay on for some time after the deal closes. If it then transpires as a problem with the company, they may not want to have to see key managers under warranties. WNI insurance gives them, they hope, a simpler and easier way of covering the risk. Okay, so how does WNI insurance work? Will insurers cover risks without doing due diligence? Uh, no, uh, in practice, the insurers carry out quite a bit of due diligence. If there are certain types of problem, perhaps relating to questionable tax arrangements relating to things like IR35, that will be excluded from the insurance cover. And what about earnouts? Are buyers and sellers still agreeing to postpone some of the payout until targets have been hit one or two years down the line? In the in the workforce solutions sector, earnouts where part of the price is deferred and made conditional on achievement of future growth or profit projections. Um, earnouts have always been a factor, especially in the UK, where it's been thought a lot of the value of many types of recruitment and staffing businesses is linked to the personality and connections of a few key staff who might jump ship after the deal's completed. And so in the UK, we've always had earnouts in the sector, although interestingly, in the US, generally speaking, buyers historically have been somewhat happier to pay all the cash up front. In, in the past, there's been a lot of distrust about earnout arrangements amongst sellers of staffing and recruitment businesses. Um, feeling being that if targets are not hit post deal, that's likely to be the fault of the buyer. However, if, if the legal terms are tight enough, earnouts can be framed in a way that reduces risk for sellers. And in most workforce solution deals we've advised on in recent years, the earnout arrangements have worked well for buyers and sellers. And earnouts, of course, can also be a way of sellers getting an uplift if the business shoots forward after completion, um, avoiding them feeling they've missed out by selling too early. Thanks. What about the Russian invasion of Ukraine? Uh, apart from the distressing human elements of that, how will that affect investor confidence? Well, that's hard to call right now. Uh, IPAs might be pushed back, but we're not expecting many workforce solution IPAs in any event. The main thing is that the sector is generally not directly dependent on income from that part of the world. So we're seeing PE investors press forward with deals in the UK and elsewhere. Uh, if investors have cash, they need to spend it before inflation depletes its value. But having said that, clearly the longer term impacts of the war will have some sort of effect on parts of the sector, although perhaps not so much in IT and healthcare. Thanks, Andrew, and thanks everyone for listening. Obviously, Andrew and I and other members of the Osborne Clark Workforce Solutions team would be happy to chat further about current trends in M&A and investment deals in the sector. Just let us or your normal Osborne Clark contact know and we'll get back to you. Thank you.